Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 106 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And with bowl season now in the rearview mirror and draft declarations dominating the news, we'll focus our attention for this week's show on the upcoming national championship game and the East-West Shrine Bowl next week. Get ready for some fireworks, Tony. That's it. Especially the game uh, Monday will be after the first day of Shrine practice, so we'll be doing a lot of uh, a lot of traveling uh, the next couple of weeks. Myself next week at the Shrine game, and then Chris will join me the following week in Mobile, Alabama, uh, for the Senior Bowl. Actually, there is actually a uh, a bowl game, or I should say, bowl practice going on right now in Texas, the College Gridiron Showcase, and I'm told that Ryan Willis, the quarterback from Virginia Tech is really uh, really showcasing his arm strength, which shouldn't be a surprise because if you watch Virginia Tech, the guy can sling the ball a mile and a half. You just don't know where it's going to end up. But uh, that's an interesting game. They, they get a lot of uh, priority free agent types down there. It's more practice than it is an actual game. Uh, it's more of a combine type uh, on-the-field workout, if you will. Uh, and so far from what I'm hearing is Willis looks good throwing the ball. All right. And before we get into the matchup between LSU and Clemson on Monday night, Quick word from our sponsor. Let's make 2019 the last year you suffer through bad sleep. Chris, listen to these studies from Harvard and John Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular disease, and crankiness. Yours truly uh, front and center. We need at least eight hours of sleep. One of sleep's biggest problems is temperature. It's tough to get a good sleep if you're too hot or too cold. But it's 2020 now, and we have the Pod by 8Sleep. Yes, yes. And the Pod is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. Wow. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperatures automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, and your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. For the next week, get $200 off your pod and a free gravity blanket for a total of $500. I wonder if the gravity blanket would help my uh, my partner's snoring problem. That's I guess that's a different story altogether. Only at 8sleep.com slash pro. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash pro. 8sleep.com slash pro. Give it a try. Now, without further ado, the college football playoff national championship game. It's a battle of Tigers between LSU and Clemson. We talked three episodes ago when we reviewed the semifinal games about the LSU pass rush getting after Jalen Hurts. Clemson doesn't have an individual offensive lineman quite as good as Creed Humphrey for the Sooners, who is still considering the draft probably about 50-50 whether he is going to enter or not. But they do have four guys who could be selected in April, right tackle Tremaine Ankrum, Guards John Simpson and Gage Cervenka, and center Sean Pollard. LSU has a couple pass rushers. They also have a five technique in Richard Lawrence, likely a day three guy, six foot two, 308 pounds. 
does a lot of work fighting to get off blocks, but not the greatest pass rusher. But overall, LSU is a top 30 team in terms of sacks on the season, so they do get after the quarterback. Any thoughts on this matchup, Tony, as a whole? Yeah, they find ways to manufacture a pass rush, and that's exactly what they're going to have to do against Clemson because you're right. You know, Clemson does not have a guy on their unit that's as talented as Creed Humphrey, the center from Oklahoma, but I think as a unit, they're significantly better than Oklahoma, and you know what? Clemson shut down or pretty much stopped that Ohio State uh, defensive front uh, line. Uh, I, I mean, uh, Chase Young was nowhere to be found. He got some pressures, but basically, I mean, they did a good job on him. Uh, Tremaine Atrum is uh, the starting right tackle. is going to play guard at the next level. He's a late-round pick. Sean Pollard is a guy to watch, the center. He's a versatile guy. He's played some tackle for Clemson. He's played some guard. He's going to be a late-round pick at center. John Simpson is the headliner. He's the left guard. He's a big, tough, slug-it-out type of guy. I think he's going to be a day-two type of uh, prospect. Not the most nimble guy, not someone who's very effective blocking emotion around the second level, but he's going to win a lot of those one-on-one battles. And it's going to be a situation where when Rashard Lawrence is matched up against him, Rashard Lawrence is going to have to get that first step. One thing we know about Rashard Lawrence is he finds ways to make plays. He's not the most talented guy. He's not the most athletic guy or explosive guy, but he uses all of his skill uh, to their maximum. And whether it's with his hands, whether it's with his first step, whether it's with his head or his intensity, he's constantly making plays. So, you know, when you look at this on paper, Clemson has the advantage. Clemson has the advantage. They've got more talented players. From an NFL draft point of view, they have more draft picks, although I don't think any of them could be uh, going to go as high as Clavon Chason, depending on how teams look at his medicals. But Clemson just finds ways to get it done, so this is really going to be a good matchup. Now, similar to Clemson's matchup with Ohio State a couple weeks ago, the passing game is going to be going up against an elite secondary, and that one Trevor Lawrence did a lot with his legs at the quarterback position. Did just enough through the air as T. Higgins and Justin Ross were kind of in and out of the game due to a couple of injuries. Those two should be healthy heading into this one. They're going to see a lot of Christian Fulton and Derek Stingley Jr. on the outside. Grant Delpit and Kerry Vincent Jr. are on the back end at safety. Really a complete LSU secondary. Tony, how does this matchup for Clemson differ from what they faced against Ohio State? And what are you specifically going to be watching for? You know, I, I think that overall, the LSU secondary is a better package. You can say Jeffrey Akuda was the best cornerback or the best draft eligible cornerback of the bunch. I mean, people are going to say that Derek Stingley is a better cornerback than Akuda, but I think overall, this is a, a great package. And when we previewed the LSU Alabama game, we talked about how the LSU secondary was going to be up against it with the speed of those uh, Alabama receivers. The Clemson receivers aren't as speedy, but they're sturdier. They're better receivers. I think many of them are better route runners. I think they're a better overall package. Uh, You know, Justin Ross, like Stingley, is not draft eligible, although while everyone wants to talk about Trevor Lawrence, understandably so, Justin Ross is also an outstanding next-level prospect. Uh, Amari Rogers consistently gets the job done. Not the biggest guy in the world, but someone who is quick, gets separation through his routes, uh, and consistently makes the catch. T. Higgins has got outstanding size. I'm told both Higgins and Amari Rogers very likely to enter the draft. I I expect them to be last-day picks. And then there's DeAndre Overton, someone who had a terrific uh, campaign in 2017, was on the sidelines in 2018. I had him uh, graded as almost draftable off the 2017 film, was not mentioned by scouts coming into the year, 
He's been spotty, but he doesn't get to see the field that much because they've got so much great talent in front of him. He's the number four receiver. Although when he's on the field, as we saw a couple of times during the Ohio State game, when he came in and filled in for the injured T. Higgins and Justin Ross, he did a solid job. So, you know, they don't have the speed of the Alabama receivers, but I think there's more of them. I think they're a better, more complete package. Uh, guys that can really do a great job catching the underneath routes and, and the sideline routes as well. This is a tremendous matchup. I, I mean, this is something that if you're a, a, a defensive back coach, if you're a receiver coach, uh, if you're an area scout in the Southeast, you're going to want to watch how these LSU secondary guys who are going to be in the draft, obviously, uh, Christian Fulton's a senior. I'm told that uh, Grant Delpit's definitely going to be enter, is going to enter the draft. Uh, you're going to want to see how these LSU guys really stand up against these Clemson wideouts. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the best and most intriguing matchup in this game from an NFL draft standpoint. But not to be outdone on the other side of things, you have Joe Burrow and Justin Jefferson for LSU coming off just a shredding of Oklahoma's defense. They'll face Clemson secondary, which is definitely better than that of Oklahoma's, but it's not as good as LSU's own secondary or Ohio State's secondary if the Buckeyes had pulled out that game last week. But Jefferson should see a lot of A.J. Terrell. They're both tall, lanky guys, similar builds. They're over six foot, about 190 pounds. But Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall Jr. are going to have big games if Terrell is focused on Jefferson. A couple of safeties on the Clemson back end, Tanner Muse and Kayvon Wallace. They solidify it back there, but they're not ball hawks. They're not Grant Delpit or Carrie Vincent type of players. They're more run stoppers, solid day three guys, but nothing more than that. I'd say a definite advantage in this matchup to LSU. Yeah, well, I think the thing with the uh, Clemson safeties is they're good football players. They're real good football players, but they're not great athletes. They're not really fast. And they may have difficulty in the deep coverage uh, if Joe Burrow decides to throw the ball along to uh, Justin Jefferson or, or any of the other receivers. Uh, you, you know, Tanner Muse is well-liked in the uh, scouting community. He came into the season with a fourth-round grade. I see him as an overachieving, strong safety type that, as you said, is going to be a last-day pick. Kevon Wallace, great instincts, great hustle, great wherewithal, but he's small and he's not really fast. I like A.J. Terrell. He's big and he's physical, uh, but he struggles making plays with his back to the ball. Watch him. I mean, watch him against Jefferson. He'll be able to run down the field with Jefferson, but he struggles getting his head back around to locating the pass in the air. And if that happens, Joe Burrow will pick them apart. I think it's ironic in the sense that, like the top player in the LSU secondary, Stingley, the, uh, the freshman who's not uh, draft eligible, you can make the argument that uh, Darian Kendrick, uh, number one, the cornerback for Clemson, who's a sophomore, is probably their best player in their secondary. Terrific cornerback, just not draft eligible. I think he's a guy who's going to be matched up against the LSU's top receiver when he's on the field. Now, shifting from the pass game to the run game here, we have some good running backs in this game. Travis Etienne, everybody knows his name, Clemson's home run hitter in the backfield. They also got him more involved as a receiver this year. And while he's not a natural pass catcher, he can take screens and dump offs to the house. He's a big play type of guy. We saw that a couple of weeks ago against Ohio State, whereas Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for LSU it was limited against Oklahoma due to injury, only had two carries. I think they knew that they could win that game without him, and were trying to save him for this matchup. He's reportedly going to be full strength in this one. It's 5'8", 209 pounds, a quick and shifty guy, built very low to the ground, so he's got some power to him. He can bounce off tackles. 
He can make some catches out of the backfield as well. And part of the contingent to stop these two backs on each side, we have Clemson's Isaiah Simmons, the safety linebacker hybrid, and LSU linebacker Jacob Phillips. Obviously, Simmons is a guy we talk about a lot. We're not the only ones. He's got the versatility to play single high safety. He plays in the box, very fast to the play, an effective blister, always goes for the ball, whether it's interceptions, whether it's trying to force fumbles. Phillips is another speedy linebacker, good recognition ability, solid tackler. We discussed him back in December as the guy filling Devin White shoes. He had a huge game early in the season. Anything in particular you're watching with the running backs and the linebackers here, Tony? Well, let's talk all those guys that you just mentioned are all juniors. Now, I've been told that all of them are going to enter the draft, except for Travis Etienne. I don't know that Etienne's not going to enter the draft. I just haven't been told that he's definitely going to enter the draft the way I'm told that uh, Edward Tolera is going to enter the draft, the way Isaiah Simmons is going to enter the draft and be in uh, early selection, the way Jacob Phillips, I'm told, is going to uh, enter the draft and I think be a second-day pick. Now, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire basically almost carried LSU on his shoulders in that game against Alabama. Everyone was focused on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had a great game, but it was Edwards Hilaire who consistently, you know, when they were two yards shy of a first down, was carrying the Alabama defense for those extra two and a half yards to get the first down to keep the chains moving. Uh, Hilaire Edwards, uh, Edwards Hilaire does a lot of good things really well. He's not spectacular in any one area. He's a solid short yardage runner, although he doesn't have great size. He shows the ability to turn the corner. He's a terrific pass catcher. ATN, I like ATN, but when I really broke him down on film, I kind of wondered about what kind of back he's going to be at the next level because he doesn't show the great speed to turn the perimeter. He's very quick, but he's not in an ultra creative ball carrier. Like you said, you know, he's a solid pass catcher out of the backfield. I had seen a lot of people say that Travis ATN was a third round pick. I said, no way. And when I really broke down the film on ATN, I said, you know what? This guy may slide into the third round because while he's a good real good college running back. I just don't know how well he projects to the next level. And I've been on the ATN bandwagon. I think that, you know, in this game, it's, they don't want ATN to carry the rocker to be the focus of the, uh, of the game where he's going to be someone that's kind of an outlet uh, when Trevor Lawrence needs a break from throwing the ball. I think Edwards Hilaire is just someone who does everything very well. And he's going to be a, a much bigger part of the, uh, this game than people are projecting. We have some recent news to discuss and also some Shrine game preview ahead but first a word from our sponsor christmas has come and gone but the super bowl is quickly approaching we've seen just what our teams are capable of this season and now it's time to get your last bets in before the big game will the ravens be able to get it done with tom brady and the patriots out of the running can the titans spring another upset i bet you have a feeling about such things Yes, and if you're like me and you're a little sad or, or, or uh, down that Christmas and the holidays are over, head on over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted names in the industry. If you're looking for a sports book to make some bets for the bowl games, MyBookie is where you want to go. Football not your thing? I doubt that's the case for the majority of our listeners, but MyBookie has it all from the NBA to the Premier League. They've got the fastest payouts best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even pool your bets together for a bigger payout. Let's say you like a couple of the favorites this week. Parlay wagers let you bet multiple games together, and if they all come through, you win big. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sportsbook around. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway 
all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's the promo code BLV to get your cash from my bookie. Bet, win, and get paid. Speaking of getting paid, Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa declared for the draft this week, as we reported was likely here on this podcast. Tony also said it a bunch over at profootballnetwork.com. Obviously, the medicals are going to be a big part of the evaluation here for Tua Tagovailoa. He has durability questions. It's more than just the hip injury he's currently dealing with over the past two years. He had surgery on both ankles as well. His height, just about six feet tall, less of a concern than maybe it would have been five years ago. Tony, what's the latest you're hearing around Tua? Well, I, I mean, the latest is it's going to depend on the, on the combine medicals. What I had heard and reported at uh, Pro Football Network the day before Tua announced was Alabama was really pushing to have this press conference sooner rather than later because they didn't want it to affect recruiting. If Tua was going to enter the draft, which he did, they wanted that announcement out there because they didn't want to lose potentially top quarterback prospects who thought that they may have to sit on the bench next year and take a backseat to Tua. Now, a couple things. Obviously, the hip's an an issue. But his whole injury history is. I mean, it's just not the hip. The hip is the is the elephant in the room, as they say. That's something that's going to be really inspected, you know, the greatest amount. But in war rooms, they're going to talk about the ankle injury that sidelined him, knee issues and things like that. And, you know, the, the whole durability factor. I expect him to come over great in interviews. I, you know, I, I think teams are really going to like him. It's just a matter of how well are you going to take him? And how soon will he be ready to play? You know, are you willing to take him and maybe sit him for half the year, if not the full year, while he gets acclimated to the NFL system, while he consistently and continues, I should say, to heal? That shouldn't be a problem. I mean, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the league these days? Patrick Mahomes. And guess what? Patrick Mahomes sat on the sidelines his entire rookie year, and I think he's the better quarterback for it. I think you could say the same thing for Tua, not just from a perspective of absorbing the NFL game mentally, but just from the perspective of physically being much more prepared to play. More big quarterback news. Both Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert will be in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. We'll focus on Herbert here since we've been saying for a while that he needs to go to Mobile. Well, now he is. And this is a big opportunity for a guy who's been projected as a high first round pick for years now. Big opportunity for both, but especially Herbert. I mean, he's got to get the momentum going back in his direction. He can do it during the interviews because the Senior Bowl interviews right now are as important as the combine interviews because they're both formal and informal interviews, and he's got to show it on the field. You know, he's going to have to answer the question as to why he didn't come up in the big spots this year, why he wasn't as impressive as people thought, why he didn't play up to expectations. And then when they get out on the field, he's going to have to show it with accurate passes, which I think he's going to do. I I think he'll probably look great, uh, you know, in the one-on-ones, throwing the ball downfield because he's got all those physical skills. It's just what happens in the full scrimmage? Is he able to really produce and produce productively uh, in the full scrimmage? And even then, you know, scouts are going to have questions about him. But you know what? 
as we said time and time again, as we've been proven right time and time again with Daniel Jones last year and Carson Wentz years before that and going back to Phillip Rivers, the senior ball is a kingmaker at the quarterback position. I applaud Justin Herbert. I think it's a great decision. I'm also very excited to see Jalen Hurts go back to the state of Alabama where he transferred out of to go to Oklahoma, coming off the terrific season that he had and basically showing that he can make NFL-type passes in an NFL-type of system and NFL practices at the Senior Bowl. I'm glad to see both of them. I guess the only one that we got to wait and see is Joe Burrow. You know, does Joe Burrow show up at the Senior Bowl? I don't know that he's got a lot to prove at the Senior Bowl. I think the fact that Senior Bowl practices start a week after the national title game, that may put him a little bit behind. Uh, but I applaud Justin Herbert. We said on this podcast – a number of times, he had to go to the Senior Bowl. It was so important off the disappointing season he's had, and he is. Good for him. I hope he does well. Now, another player we've talked about a lot, Minnesota safety Antoine Winfield Jr. announced Wednesday that he would enter the draft. We first broke the news that he was likely to enter when we previewed the Outback Bowl on one of our most recent episodes. Now, Winfield led the Big Ten this season with seven interceptions. He's more than just ball skills, though. 88 tackles this year. He can stop ball carriers right in their tracks, doesn't get dragged. He's strong on the blitz, really a complete player. Obviously, he has the NFL bloodlines of his father playing the same safety position, solid production. All of that adds up to a potential high pick, even if his height at 5'10 leaves just a little bit to be desired. Yeah, I was told last night uh, that he was going to enter the draft, and I was hoping to save it for the show, but I guess Antoine had other plans and decided to beat us to it and announce it publicly. Although, as you said, we had said – uh, prior to the Outback Bowl, uh, made the announcement here that he was leaning heavily towards entering the draft. You know, he was kind of, I don't want to say he was out of position because he's a good football player. He played safety this year at Minnesota. I think he's going to be a real good cornerback. He's got ex- exceptional ball skills. He gets it between the ears. You can see he sees what's going on, incredibly instinctive. He's got great footwork. He's got great hip turn. Like you said, the only problem is, is like his dad, he's a little bit short. And I think unlike his dad, the inches, especially these days, you know, everyone wants cornerbacks that are six foot tall and over. And if you're not six foot tall or over, you're likely going to end up in the second day of the draft, which I think is what's going to happen with Winfield. Now it's time for a quick preview of what to watch during Shrine Week. But before we get to that, let's hear from one of our sponsors. Support for the draft analysts comes from Manscaped, who brings you the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. There you go. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Thank God for that. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their, get this, Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer helps you avoid nicks or snags. That's good to know. Another advantage of this custom trimmer? Your current trimmer won't have to pull double duty below the belt and above the neck. That's just dirty. Uh, it, it certainly is. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits? Uh, most people do. Why not put, uh, why not, why aren't you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? That would actually be my feet in my situation. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of people that don't wear deodorant. I ride the subway a lot in New York City, so I'm exposed to a lot of them, but you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code believe at manscaped.com. Start the new year off the right way by using the best tools for the job. 
So you get 20% off of free shipping with the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Make sure you use code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Now we'll start our Shrine preview off at the quarterback position. Rosters that we will discuss are certainly as of Wednesday when we're recording this, January 8th, always subject to change. The first two guys on the list here, Utah's Tyler Huntley and Florida International's James Morgan. We've talked about them a lot recently, so we won't go into too much detail on them. Guys we haven't discussed are Kelly Bryant from Missouri and Tommy Stevens from Mississippi State. And we definitely have not talked about Princeton's Kevin Davidson and North Texas's Mason Fine. Davidson, prototypical size, 20 touchdown passes in the Ivy League this year. Fine is a small pocket passer. Brian is a guy, when he was at Clemson, we discussed him somewhat often. The shine has worn off him a bit since then, though. And Stevens is a Penn State transfer who, coming into the season, had 41 career pass attempts. He threw the ball about 20 times a game this year. Real big threat as a rusher. He's 6'5", 235 pounds, so he's a big guy as well. A haul to bring down in the open field. Tony, break down the signal callers that'll be in St. Pete here. Well, I mean, James Morgan's had a decent season. He's got uh, a strong arm. He's got good size. The only question is, is he a game manager or is he a guy who, uh, you know, can carry a team at the next level? Tyler Huntley, the Utah offense seemed to come and go the way Tyler Huntley played. I think he's uh, higher rated now than where he was coming into the season. I still don't think he's a real good next level prospect. I'm very interested to see Kelly Bryant. I liked him at Clemson. Obviously, the situation didn't work out for him there. Want to see his accuracy. Want to see his timing on his throws if he's hitting receivers as they're leaving breaks. And Kevin Davidson. I had mentioned Kevin Davidson as a small school sleeper at Pro Football Network. Uh, back in uh, September, I was starting to get a, a, uh, a lot of buzz about him. He's got the size. He's got the arm strength. He At times this year, he was completing 75 to 80% of his throws. Uh, really through the first two months of the season, fell off in late November. He doesn't have a big body of work because he's a first-year starter. But Kevin Davidson's a guy who you know could go late rounds, end up as a practice squad developmental type uh, at the next level. Now there's nine running backs currently on the Shrine roster. Rodney Smith out of Minnesota is a guy who had injury wipeout most of his 2018 season. Returned strong this year, though. Good quickness, 5'11", 210 pounds. Finishes runs very well as well. Runs a bit high, but that's one of the major knocks on him. Patrick Taylor out of Memphis this year was limited by a foot injury, was not the bell cow upon his return. He had over 25 carries in his first game, probably had maybe twice that in the remaining six games once he returned. But this is going to be a big stage for him to prove that he's healthy and also as effective as he was beforehand. Central Florida's Adrian Killens Jr. and Western Michigan's Levante Bellamy are sub 200 pound scat backs. Killens way smaller, though, than Bellamy at 164. Great speed, though. Loses nothing out of his cuts. Bellamy had a breakout year. 23 touchdowns on the ground. Didn't catch the ball as much. Probably a scheme thing for Western Michigan. But that'll be something to watch here. It's a good place in the all-star setting to see running backs catch the ball and how comfortable they are doing it. What intrigues you here at the running back position, Tony? You know, if Patrick Taylor had remained healthy throughout the entire season, he's probably probably playing at the senior ball. Scouts were very high on him coming into the year. As you mentioned, that first game against Mississippi, he had played up to expectations, suffered the foot injury, and then was basically shelved to the end of the year. So it's a sad thing, but scouts have high expectations of him. James Robinson of Illinois State. Here's a guy who came into the season with middle-round grades, played really well the first month of the season, 
then his game really tailed off. And I think the way he played the last month or half of the season is why he's in the Shrine game and not the Senior Bowl. Very interested to watch Adrian Killings during pass-catching drills. Is he a natural pass-catcher out of the backfield? He's incredibly quick-footed. He's got the ability to take the ball the distance from any point in the field. Shows the ability to create yardage. But as you mentioned his size, he's small. He's a situational third down back for the next level and a return specialist. He's great in space, but a guy like that has got to show natural pass-catching hands. We'll see if he can do it at the Shrine game. Now, the wide receiver spot, very strong here in St. Pete. Not surprising when you have a deep class like we do. We've discussed guys like Minnesota's Tyler Johnson, Oregon's Jawan Johnson, Jamarcus Bradley from Louisiana, Joe Reed from Virginia, even Aaron Parker from Rhode Island. I'm interested to see Navy's Malcolm Perry on the roster as a wide receiver here. We'll see if he gets any work at running back as well. We didn't get to see speedy Boise State receiver John Hightower in the bowl game. He'll be there for Shrine Week as will big targets like Ohio State's Benjamin Victor, Georgia's Lawrence Cager, and Oklahoma State's Jordan McRae. So we have a nice mix of speed, playmaking ability, and size in this group. Big targets, as you said, is basically what defines this receiver group, and that's what you're going to see. Lawrence Cager, again, a guy who I think the injuries, which put him on the sideline, put him in the Shrine game rather than in the senior ball. I've been a big fan of Juwan Johnson, another guy who was injured during the beginning portion of the year, Became one of uh, Justin Herbert's favorite targets, was a big play guy, the former Penn State uh, wide receiver. We've talked about Tyler Johnson, Ad Nauseam, uh, on this podcast. I like Nick Westbrook out of Indiana, but again, a bigger guy, 6'2 and a half, 215 pounds, more of your possession wideout. And I, you know, I sort of agree with where you were going with Malcolm Perry. I don't know why they have him as a receiver. I project him as a running back at the next level uh, if he plays at the next level. He basically did most of his damage carrying the ball and with his footwork at Navy. So why not see what he can do as a running back uh, during Shrine Week? Now, entering the season, many analysts really like South Florida tight end Mitchell Wilcox. I know Tony, you, and other scouts as well were not as into him as a lot of others. He'll headline this tight end group, though, despite lacking great athleticism and really coming off a down year compared to his 2018 production. Two small school guys that I'm a little intrigued by, North Dakota State's Ben Ellison who had just 13 catches this year, but five were touchdowns, 16 career scores. He's 6'4", 250 pounds, so we'll have to see if he's more than just a red zone threat. And Giovanni Ricci, Levante Bellamy's teammate at Western Michigan, 86 catches for over 1,000 yards the past two years. Tony, this year's tight end class, not as strong as recent ones. Break down this group for us and whether anybody can make a legit impact in the draft. Yeah, Giovanni Ricci's interesting. He's more of a, a bigger possession receiver in a tight end's body, a move tight end, really stands out as a pass catcher, needs to work on his blocking. It's not because he doesn't give effort. It's just he's not a very big guy, big-bodied guy. You know, Mitchell Wilcox, you're right. There were people who were mocking him in the third round when you watch him play. He's a good tight end, but I don't see him as anything other than a number three, maybe a number two at the next level. A little bit of home cooking here uh, with the South Florida guy uh, in, in the Shrine game. Good to see. Overall, you know, as far as I'm concerned anyway, yeah, I want to see Ben Ellison of North Dakota State, but I think it's a two-horse race between Ricci and Mitchell Wilcox at the tight end position. Now, on the offensive line, definitely some late-round talent at this year's Shrine Bowl. Some intriguing tackles like Jack Driscoll out of Auburn, Yasir Durant from Missouri, Darren Paulo from Utah at guard. We'll see Deshaun Dixon out of San Diego State, Stephen Gonzalez from Penn State, John Runyon's teammate Michael Onwenu at Michigan. Runyon is also at the Shrine Bowl next week. 
Oregon's Calvin Throckmorton's listed as a tackle, likely a guard at the NFL level. It's a lot of names, Tony. It's only about half, maybe less, of the offensive lineman group that's going to be there. Where's your eye going to be when it comes to these guys? Want to see Cole Cabral of Arizona State. He's in the Shrine game, but you could make the argument that he's one of the top or two, three, top two or three senior centers in the draft. That tells you something about the senior crop of centers in this year's draft. Uh, Deshaun Dixon's always been one of my favorites from San Diego State. Want to see his athleticism, his agility. Is he a, a, a sort of a nimble tight end? Does he have that nimbleness or does he look as stiff alive as he does on film. You mentioned Jack Driscoll, the right tackle from Auburn, who I think is going to play guard at the next level. You see Durant, a massive guy who's got great athleticism, but really has to develop his game. Little surprise that Steven Gonzalez is at the Shrine game and not the Senior Bowl. Really a tough slug it out type of guy. Julian Good-Jones of Iowa State, the left tackle, someone who was not even mentioned by scouts coming into the year, was completely disregarded by him could end up in the late rounds right now. Tyler Higby of Michigan State, scouts love him. I don't know why. Injured for much of this year. He played left tackle for uh, Michigan State. He projects to guard. He looks the part, but his, uh, his, his mechanics and his fundamentals are just awful. Keep an eye on, and I know I'm going to butcher his name, Cordell Iwagu from uh, TCU. He's a guy that's getting a lot of chatter recently. Someone who came into the uh, season, created as a free agent. I'm here right now, mid-round grades on him. I would expect him to have a real big week. You know, Sean Pollard is on this list. We talked about him being in the national championship game. Uh, terrific competitor. Terrific center. I think he's going to be a good backup at the next level. It's interesting that he's on the list because, obviously, Clemson plays a national championship game on Monday. I am reminded... And if one of the listeners can maybe uh, give me the name on Twitter, about three, four years ago, we're at the Shrine game. I'm working with the Eagles. And Oregon had a player the year that they lost the national championship, I think, to Auburn. uh, One of their pass rushers, one of their three, four outside linebackers, played the national championship game on the Monday. He was actually at St. Pete for practice on Wednesday and played in the game. We'll see if that holds true with uh, Sean Pollard. Speaking of Oregon, Calvin Throckmorton, uh, their offensive tackle is going to be in this game. It'll be interesting to watch. Again, I think like most of those players, most of those seniors anyway, on that Oregon offensive line, last eight picks that are going to be very good rotational players at the next level. Now switching to the defensive side of the ball, friend of the podcast, Carlos Davis from Nebraska, is hoping to build some momentum in St. Pete after a disappointing season. His twin brother, Khalil, will also be in attendance on the defensive line. Northwestern's Joe Gaziano. His nine sacks tied for seventh in the Big Ten. Doesn't hold the candle statistically, though, to Charlotte's Alex Highsmith, who had a breakout season, tied for third in the FBS with 14 sacks. North Texas's Ladarius Hamilton will join teammate Mason Fine here at the Shrine Bowl after 16 sacks over the past two seasons. We'll also see Utah's John Penasini and Michigan State's Raquan Williams, a couple defensive tackles we've discussed here before. Where do you stand on the D-line, Tony? You know, Kendall Coleman of Syracuse is going to be there, and he's taken the backseat as far as headlines are concerned to his teammate, Alton Robinson. But when you watch the film, Kendall Coleman was a better player in the field, made more impact plays for the Syracuse defense this year. Really happy to see him there. Bryce Huff of Memphis, I think he's more of a stand-up outside linebacker. It'll be interesting to see how they use him. Same thing with Bryce Sterk of Montana State, someone who was highly rated, got third-round grades by some scouts coming into the year, had a disappointing season in the sense that 
he, he had a great statistical year, but I don't think scouts thought he improved the game the way he uh, was expected to, which is why he's not at the senior bowl. James Smith Williams of North Carolina State, tremendous edge rusher, a guy who I'm told is going to run in the four fives at 265 pounds, only played like seven games this year because of an injury, didn't have the impact that he was expected to. He's still a real good athlete, learning to be a football player. And then there's Ray Kwan Williams, defensive tackle from Michigan State. When he wants to play, he can be a one-man show on the inside. The problem is, is he's not always playing. He doesn't always play hard uh, and has really disappointed scouts and never met expectations. Now, a pair of hurricanes highlight the linebackers for the Shrine Bowl, Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinckney. Quarterman is not the athlete that Pinckney is, but he's more productive and probably actually the better linebacker in terms of instincts and making plays on the field. LSU's Michael Divinity Jr. is a big part of that aforementioned LSU pass rush we mentioned, at least early in the season. He left the team midseason. It was reported as personal reasons. Turns out he was ineligible, failed his fourth drug test for marijuana, but he's back now. Should end up playing in the championship game as well. So just like Pollard and Cervenka, we'll see if he actually ends up making it to Shrine Week. But if he does, he'll certainly be answering some questions. Outside of that trio of linebackers, Tony, anybody else you're watching? Well, first, you know, we got to mention Michael Pinckney and Shaquille Quarterman. I mean, it tells you how far the Miami program has fallen when their two top senior prospects are playing in the Shrine game. They're not going to have anybody in the Senior Bowl this year. So that kind of gives you an idea as to why Miami is where it's at. I'm very interested and very excited to see Michael Walker of Fresno State, a guy who played three, four outside linebackers at junior, was terrific. They moved him to middle linebacker this year. He played well. He wasn't off uh, off the charts, but he played very well. A guy who's got a, a good upside. He's a good athlete. I think he's still learning the position. Glad to see him there. Also interested to see Cam Gill of Wagner, a guy who was out of position at Wagner, a 3-4 outside linebacker. He's more of an off-the-ball space linebacker, whatever you want to call him, a traditional 4-3 weak side type of linebacker. Uh, now it's going to be a step up in competition. He struggled last year at Wagner because he was out of position in 3-4. Hopefully they use him more in the 4-3. He's able to do what he does best. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see Gill from Wagner at the game. We had the uh, offensive tackle from Wagner a couple of years ago at the Shrine game. Did very well. Moved himself into the late rounds of the pick. We'll see if uh, Cam Gill can match that. Now, lastly, we'll hit the secondary. Definitely some potential late rounders here, especially at cornerback. Auburn's Javaris Davis, who we discussed before that Outback Bowl against Minnesota, Michigan's Levert Hill, Arizona's Jace Whitaker, guy with good size and ball skills, questionable long speed. Also UCF's Neville Clark, good closing speed, a willing run defender. Moving to the safeties here, Ohio State's Jordan Fuller will be in St. Pete. UNC's Miles Dorn, guy who's been plagued by inconsistency throughout his career, will be there. Michigan State's David Dowell and Tanner Muse, who we mentioned earlier from Clemson, more run-stopping type of safeties. But Muse has shown some ball skills when he's able to stay tight and stay downfield with receivers. Shaheem Carter from Alabama is another player to watch. A few of these guys at one point were potential second-day or early third-day picks. So there's some good talent here in the secondary for Shrine Week. Yeah, I think Muse, if you're going to use him as a safety, he's going to be more of a zone-type guy. Patrick Nelson of uh, SMU, someone who made an incredible amount of plays up the field and behind the line of scrimmage tackles for lost sacks this year. But he's not bad in space either. I mean, he's not a bad cover guy. It's going to be interesting to watch him in the one-on-ones. I'm a big fan of Chris Williamson of Minnesota. He moved to a nickel position more than a true cornerback position, which I think 
kind of hurt him last year. If you go back and you watch the 2018 film, he really showed some exciting things uh, at times. You mentioned uh, Lavert Hill of, of Michigan, good corner, average athlete. I do like Damar Hamlin of Pitt. I think he's a bit underrated, a true free safety who's got outstanding range, goes sideline to sideline, uh, and a big-time hitter. And, and you hit the nail on the head with Miles Dorn. I mean, Miles Dorn after his sophomore season looked like a potential top 45 pick. And it's just been inconsistent play after inconsistent play every year with this guy. He looks the part he's explosive at times, but he just disappears. And sometimes he makes some bonehead play. So we'll see if it's much the same or somehow he's able to turn that narrative uh, around about him. And that's it for the 106th episode of the draft analyst presented by the belief sports podcast network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. As he is every year, Tony will be on location next week for the East-West Shrine Bowl, and we'll have multiple shows for you to cover the week of practices. But until then, for Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. Good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.